Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Let's say that I'm your pastor and the mayor of Minneapolis has ordered my arrest. So you, the good people of my church, we hold a big prayer meeting inside my church. The police cars surround the building, but the police can't bring themselves to walk inside the church. In fact, for seven days, the congregation and I are inside the church singing hymns and praying, and finally, after seven days, the police give up and go home. That is the story of St. Ambrose from 390 A.D. What I want to do on this program, I want to take eight minutes and tell you the story of St. Ambrose, and then the rest of the sermon, I want to draw lessons from his life for our lives. So would you begin with a word of prayer? Father, we would pray that we would each have the courage to be like St. Ambrose, that we will fight for the truth, stand for the truth, and when our whole culture is telling us to be quiet, that we will continue to speak the truth of Christ. Holy Spirit, come now and teach us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of St. Ambrose. Let's go way back to the year 313 A.D., we are in the city of Milan, a large city in northern Italy, and the emperor of the Roman Empire has just issued the famous Edict of Milan, meaning that after 300 years of killing Christians, finally Christianity is legal in the Roman Empire. The confiscated property will be returned to the Christians. The Christians are free to worship freely. They're free to organize churches, own their own buildings, and this is a huge step forward. That's 313 A.D. Skip ahead to the year 374 A.D. We're still in Milan, but the city is in an uproar because its heretical bishop of the last 20 years has died. Oxentius was a heretic. He was an Arian. The Arians taught Jesus is not God. Jesus was created by God the Father. Jesus is not eternal. There is no trinity. The Arians were the ancient version of the modern-day Jehovah's Witness heresy. So who's going to replace now the heretical bishop? Well, the Catholics, the Orthodox, the Trinitarians, they believe Jesus is God. They have their candidate. The Arians have their candidate for bishop, and a fight breaks out in the cathedral over who's going to be the next bishop. It just so happens that a Roman administrator by the name of Ambrose is in town. He hears of the collision. He goes into the cathedral, loudly talks, calms the people down with his eloquence. And while he's speaking, a little child's voice is heard, let Ambrose be bishop. Let Ambrose be bishop. 
And the crowd takes it as a sign from God out of the mouth of babes. And the crowd starts yelling, let Ambrose be bishop. Well, Ambrose was a Christian, but he has no intention. He's, he, he never thought of being a priest, much less a bishop. In fact, he hasn't even been baptized yet. He sneaks out of the cathedral and lives with a Roman senator for a while. But when the emperor of the Roman Empire says, let Ambrose be bishop, they make Ambrose bishop of the city of Milan. Within a week, he is baptized. He um, uh, is made bishop at age 35. And for the next 23 years, he will be a wise, wonderful bishop for the city of Milan. He starts his new position by giving away his estate to the poor because now I must concentrate on eternal matters. I can't get distracted by material things. Ambrose doesn't know the Bible very well, so he starts diligently studying scripture. He preaches every Sunday. He teaches catechism. He writes commentaries. He writes hymns. And he spends long periods in personal prayer. He does personal counseling for people in his congregation. In fact, one of the young men listening to Ambrose preach is the young Augustine, who would become the famous St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians in church history. Well, time passes, and Ambrose receives a report up in Milan that down in Rome, a senator by the name of Symmachus wants to put the pagan statue of the goddess of victory back up in the Senate House. Because, according to Symmachus, to the emperor, emperor, what does it matter the way in which each of us seeks for the truth? There must be more than one road to the great mystery. Ambrose writes the emperor, don't put that statue back up. We believe in Christ is the only way of salvation, was his point. And Ambrose won the day. The, the statue stayed down. Well, now back in Milan, Bishop Ambrose enters a period of turmoil. Here's what has happened. The emperor's mother, Faustina, is an Arian. Again, she doesn't believe in the Trinity, doesn't believe Jesus is God. And... She arranges for a public debate between one of her heretical bishops and St. Ambrose, and she says, the debate will be held in my castle, and I will sit as judge. Ambrose, at the threat of losing his neck, refuses to go. Because, Queen Mother, the meeting should be held in the church, not in the palace, and secondly, no civil ruler has the right to decide spiritual matters. The queen is outraged. She sends a delegation of her soldiers to the cathedral to arrest Ambrose. The soldiers can't bring themselves to go into the cathedral because they see it as holy ground. In, in fact, on Palm Sunday, the soldiers surround the cathedral to starve the people out. They won't go inside, but nobody's coming out. And, and uh, Finally, during this time, Ambrose says his famous line, quote, The emperor is in the church, not over it. Finally, the soldiers go home, and Queen Mother Faustina has lost round one. Round two, she tries a different tactic. S S Ambrose, won't you give at least one church building to the Arians so that we may worship in our way? And again, at the risk of his neck, 
He says, no, not one building. <laughs> and uh, again, she gets outraged. She sends the soldiers. But Ambrose's courage infects the soldiers. They refuse to, to uh, arrest him. And finally, the queen mother gives up. Time passes. The old emperor of the Roman Empire dies, and now it's a new emperor, Theodosius, replaces him. The Thessalonians kill the emperor's governor in Thessalonica, and in revenge, the new emperor of the Roman Empire in the arena of Thessalonica kills 7,000 men, women, and children, whether they were guilty or not. Ambrose excommunicates the Roman emperor. This has never been done before. And says, unless you publicly repent of your crime, you will never have Holy Communion again. You are out of favor with God. For eight months, the emperor of the Roman Empire was excommunicated. Finally, it got to him, and the emperor publicly repented on Christmas Day in 390 AD. And later, that emperor said this of Ambrose. Ambrose is the only bishop I know who is worthy of the name. And eventually that emperor would die in the arms of Ambrose. And Ambrose said at the funeral of the emperor, This emperor stripped himself of royalty and bewailed his sin openly in church. He, an emperor, was not ashamed to do public penance, and to the end of his life he never ceased to grieve for his error. Two years after the emperor died, Ambrose is dying, and he, for a few hours, held his arms out in the sign of, a, of the cross while he, his lips moved in prayer, and then a priest in a nearby room heard the words, come quickly, he is going, come quickly, he is going. The priest went in, gave Ambrose Holy Communion for one last time, and he died. That is the story of St. Ambrose. What I'd like to do now is to take five lessons from his life for our life. Here's what I learned from Courageous St. Ambrose, lesson number one. Absolute truth is to die for. Absolute truth is to die for. Many people in America are relativists. That is, you make up your own truth. And when somebody says, well, I'm glad Jesus works for you, but he doesn't work for me. That's not my truth. That person is a relativist. I had somebody say to me a while ago, well, I would never have an abortion. Abortion is wrong for me, but I can't say that abortion isn't right for you. This is called relativism, that we make up our own truth. And St. Ambrose says, no, there's something called moral absolutes. God makes up the truth, not us. <laughs> I will tell you, uh, th that's like Symmachus the senator saying, put the statue back up in the temple because you can have your own God, you can make up your own God. And St. Ambrose said no. It's, that's like Chris, uh, Queen Mother Faustina saying, give us one church to worship with heresy. And, and St. Ambrose said no, there's something called absolute truth. You don't get one church. <laughs> one of our gurus in America today, sadly, is Oprah. And she now has her own channel and she's doing spirit. She says she's a Christian. She's very New Age. She, she promoted an awful book by New Age teacher Eckhart Tolle called A New Earth. Listen to this from Eckhart Tolle, Oprah's friend. Quote, the truth is inseparable 
from whom you are. Yes, you are the truth. The very being that you are is the truth. And now he misquotes Jesus. Jesus tried to convey that when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These words uttered by Jesus are one of the most powerful pointers to the truth if understood correctly. If misinterpreted, however, they become an obstacle. I bet those words are an obstacle for Eckhart Tolle. Um, Jesus speaks of the innermost I am, the essence of every man and woman, every life form. He speaks of the life that you are. Some Christian mystics have called this the Christ within. Buddhists call it the Buddha nature. For Hindus, it's the Atman, the indwelling God. You know, this is, this is classic relativism. You are God, and you decide what the truth is. And St. Ambrose would say, no, 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 God is God. He sets the truth, not us. So I was watching this television comedy, and the mom discovers condoms in her 16-year-old son's backpack. And what does she say on this TV show? Son, wait till you're married to have sex. That's God's absolute truth. No, she says this. Son, she was troubled by it, but she says, Son, please just make sure you really think about this and, and make sure you wait till the time it's right for you. What 16-year-old boy doesn't think the time is right for him? This is called ethical relativism, and it's killing our culture. Second lesson I learn from St. Ambrose. If you would live for God, live simply. The first thing Ambrose did as bishop, he gave his estate away to the poor. And 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, We brought nothing into the world. We will not take anything out of it either. If we have food and clothing, with these let us be contempt. And, and I think St. Ambrose teaches us, if you're going to live for the Lord, live a simple life. There is an evil heresy that has invaded the church called the health and wealth gospel. If you watch TV preachers, you'll hear a lot of this, that God is rich and he wants you to become rich. And the G reason Jesus came to earth was to help you become rich. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Our king became poor. Jesus became poor for our salvation. You know, if you would live for God, says St. Ambrose, live a simple life. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I went to Mexico. I'm cheap. I got a good cheap airfare. Mexico is cheap. You can get a nice hotel room for $20 a night. So, you know, the most I had to pay for a hotel was in Cancun, $28 a night. It was, it was downtown, but, but, you know, you just take the bus to the beach. But then you go to the beach, and they have humongous hotels, huge swimming pools. And you can pay $48 for what they call a day pass, where you can lay around their expensive hotel and, and, and pool, and that you get uh, three meals for $48. So one day I splurged, and I went to this huge hotel at the beach, and I had hors d'oeuvres all day and all this stuff. And, and I'm laying around this hotel for eight hours, and this guy keeps coming up, can I help you, sir? Do you have everything you need? And I said, yes, thank you. And I finally said to the guy, how much does it cost to stay in this hotel? And he said, 800 US dollars a night. And you know what? By the end of the day, I was bored. And I left there thinking, I don't need this. <laughs> You know, Christians, we don't need all these toys that people in America spend their lives to get. 
learn from Ambrose, live a simple life. Take your extra money, send it to missions, but we don't need what the world needs. Third lesson I learn from St. Ambrose, this is an important one. Excommunication can be healing. Excommunication is when you kick someone out of the church. Ambrose kicked the Emperor Theodosius out of the church because he killed 7,000 people, but finally it got to the Emperor. He publicly repented of his sin. You know, excommunication is hard to do, but it has good effects. I've had to tell people, you know, until you stop living with your boyfriend, you can't take communion here anymore. Or until you get help with your drinking problem, you can't take communion here anymore. Now, do I do that because I hate people? No, I love people. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, homosexuals, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm trying to wake these people up. It worked for Theodosius. It works for people. Paul the Apostle talked about excommunication in 1 Corinthians 5. Jesus himself talked about excommunication in Matthew 18. And you know, in our day and age, you rarely hear about churches excommunicating anybody, and that is why the American church is such a mess. I won't, there's a certain bishop, a bishop in the Episcopal Church, he doesn't believe in the Trinity, he doesn't believe Jesus physically rose from the dead, he doesn't believe Jesus made atonement for our sins when he died, he doesn't believe in the miracles of the virgin birth of Christ, and he's a bishop in full status in the Episcopal Church. I mean, when, when you can virtually do anything and teach anything and be a bishop in the church, something's wrong. And I heard a secular a secular reporter say this a while ago, just when the world needs the church the most, the church has become just like the world. When you've got whole denominations that are promoting abortion rights, promoting homosexual behavior, something is wrong. And the only thing that'll, that'll be a cure for some of this is if we get excommunication back. Well, one last lesson from St. Ambrose. Here it is. There is power in prayer and praise. I mean, think about it. What kept the soldiers from going into the cathedral? There was a prayer meeting going on in there. They heard people singing hymns in there, and they couldn't bring themselves to go in and arrest them. <laughs> you know, there is more power in prayer than you know. James chapter 5 says, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. When the Titanic sunk in 1912, there was an overturned boat, and some men were standing on it, some men were sitting on it, some men were clinging to it, hoping it wasn't going to go under, and some men were cussing and swearing. And finally, one man said, gentlemen, shouldn't we pray? And they did a quick poll. There were Catholics, there were Presbyterians, and there were Episcopalians. And they all joined together and said the Lord's Prayer and they were all rescued. <laughs> there is more power in prayer than we know. I, I, I urge you, if you don't have a prayer group in your church that prays once a week for things, start a prayer group in your church. Well, let me just uh, uh, close with this. Here is what I learn from St. Ambrose. Number one, absolute truth is to die for. You know, who would die for relativism? <laughs> Who would die for a truth you know you dreamed up? 
but the early Christians died for Christ because they knew he was the absolute truth. Absolute truth is to die for. If you would live for God, live simply and give a lot of money to missions. Uh, third truth is, uh, I skipped this one. It's about Augustine. Teachers take heart. You might have an Augustine in your class. If you only have, you only have a small Sunday school class and one or two show up, that could be the next St. Augustine. Uh, fourth truth from St. Uh, Ambrose is excommunication can be healing. And truth number five, there is power in prayer. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his insights and his knowledge of scripture to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, let's go a little bit further about this because this is an interesting story and I've never really heard it told in its mm -hmm. entirety. How can you say there is only one truth? Mm -hmm. Aren't you kind of arrogant? Yeah. I mean, we have all different denominations. Yeah. We get this, that how can you Christians say your religion is the only religion? Isn't that narrow-minded? And, well, I heard one person say, I can afford to be narrow-minded. I'm right. <laughs> Now, I don't want to be arrogant about this, but Jackie, Jesus said, John 14, 6, misquoted by Eckhart Tolle, Jesus said, he didn't quote the second half of the verse, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Eckhart Tolle didn't quote that last half of the verse. Jesus claims to be the only way to God. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to obey that and believe that, even if it offends people. Okay, Pastor Brock, I don't quite understand relativism. Mm -hmm. What exactly is relativism? All right, Jackie, you and I are Christians. We believe in absolute truth, that there's a God. He gives us the Ten Commandments. He gives us all the truth of Scripture. It's true. We didn't dream it up. Relativism dreams up its own truth. You have your truth, Christianity. I have my truth, Buddhism. doesn't matter. All of us have the same truth. There's all kinds of ways to God. So relativism is you make up your own truth. Absolutism is God has moral absolutes, theological absolutes, that we didn't come up with. God came up with them and revealed them to us through Jesus and through the scriptures. So where did relativism come from? Oh, it's always been around. Even the early church battled, battled this kind of thing. In Corinth, Paul had to write the you know, first and second letters to the Corinthians because people were dreaming up their own truth. That I, I can be a Christian and, and, and have sexual sin. And, and they, so this has always been around. It has. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain excommunication? I mean, is that still happen today, I guess, well, all the way through? Or? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, Jackie, there are... There are some churches, God bless them, that still excommunicate people. And in all the churches, it's still on the books. Problem is, it never gets enforced. But Jackie, I, I mean, I had a young woman who was living with her boyfriend, and I said, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven. You have to repent of this. And, she kept, and I said, you shouldn't take communion until you repent. She kept coming up for communion. I said, okay, have you repented? Uh, are you still living with my... Yes, I am. I finally had to say, you are not to come to the communion table until you've dealt with this. And she didn't come up again, she left angry. I, I did it as lovingly as I could, but sometimes to, for their good to try to wake them up, you've got to excommunicate. But do churches have a policy as far as for when excommunication happens or yeah. how, even who the makes the decision? E even the liberal denominations have 
have uh, you know policies where if somebody is doing this or embezzling funds or, or teaching heresy that they are to go have a heresy trial. Jackie, I can't tell you the last time I heard of a heresy trial. In the liberal ELCA Lutheran Church, I don't know that there's ever been one heresy trial since 1988 when they were formed. Maybe there has been, but I sure haven't heard of it. Well, I, I haven't heard of many churches that are excommunicating people either. No, the and I guess I'll tell you the only thing I've heard of, and God bless them, the Catholic Church has, has told some politicians, as long as you keep promoting abortion, you can't take communion. Now again, even that doesn't happen very often, but at least somebody somewhere is trying. Well, what will happen if we don't practice it? If we don't have excommunication, we get what's called the American Church, where you can preach and teach anything you want and be a, a bishop, a preacher in the church, and that is tragic. So, as Christians, who do we go to that, to share this need to come back to excommunication? Yeah. Well, you know, Jackie, to get rid of the uh, somebody asked me this. You know, Pastor Tom, I saw a member of our church, and he stumbles drunk to his front door, you know, and, you know, I think his point was, do you want to handle this? And I said, no, because if you look at the steps, Jackie, Jesus gives us the steps for excommunication in Matthew 18. It says, first, you go. If you saw it, you go one-on-one -on -one and talk to him. And if he won't listen to you, it says you take one or two others and all three of you talk to him. And then if he doesn't listen to you, you tell it to the church. I'm step three, not step one. So that's kind of the, read Matthew 18. Those are the steps for excommunication. And they come from Jesus. Jesus believed in excommunication. You know, Pastor Brock, I can't remember hearing a sermon about excommunication even in our church, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's not something that's common or talked mm -hmm. about at yeah. all. And, and, and again, that's why the church is a mess. I would encourage people, read 1 Corinthians 5, where this, woman, this man was sleeping with his father's wife, and Paul says, you excommunicate him. He needs to repent. Kick him out of the church until he repents. You know, and then if he repents, bring him back in, forgive him and love him. But 1 Corinthians 5, Matthew 18, Jesus and the Apostle Paul preach excommunication. So in our churches today, is it the pastor or the church, elders church that make church council yeah, that yeah. make the decision? It, it, again, if, if the steps are taken, he's been confronted, he's been confronted again, the, the church council confronts him, and if he's, then it would be the church council that would do that. Yeah. Well, we're down to our last 30 seconds, and we'd like to thank you for being with us and being so faithful to this ministry. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings. But I'm going to ask Tom to give you just a little update mm -hmm. in the last 20 seconds and let him close. Yeah, everybody, we do thank you for your prayers. Our ministry is growing. The more money we get in, the more cities we expand to. So now we're all over the country, DirecTV Dish Network. Now we're also on in Minneapolis. We've always been here, but Duluth, Rochester, Minnesota, Madison, Wisconsin, Wichita, uh, Kansas, also in Omaha, Nebraska. So we ask you to keep praying for us. If the Lord nudges you to, to support us, that you'll see the place you can send a check at the end with the address there. But thank you for what you're doing. We're happily kind of surprised we're still on the air. But God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. <music>